Breakfast is on the menu today, so to speak. The Escoffier series continues with eggs. It's almost like that Forrest Gump scene with all of the ways eggs can be cooked. I'm going to cover some of the classic approaches to cooking eggs. I'm going to point out what's missing from Escoffier. I'm going to discuss the highly charged and polarized topic of omelets. And a brief recap of Thanksgiving, which here was a Friendsgiving. Twice. The Eating Liberty Podcast, episode 218, Food and Freedom, Once a Week, for Life. Hello, folks. For that cook on your Christmas list, or for you on your Christmas list, my cookbook, Cooking for Comfort, makes an excellent Christmas gift. Pick it up in paperback or in Kindle formats. Find the link on the show notes page or look for it on Amazon. So I mentioned that this year a very different thing happened, which was a Friendsgiving. Now, it was a nice thing to do, but the nice thing to do happened because our hosts their normal Thanksgiving guests didn't make it. I think their parents couldn't travel. And, well, <laughs> at some point that'll be me, but that made room for us. And that was really fine. We've been to the house many times. Um, and it was good. So there was a, a bit of a dressing slash stuffing battle. And um, I think my wife won. Our host thinks he won, but acknowledged that. For what it was, the dressing was pretty good. He's not a southerner, so that's probably why. Uh, we had a good time. We had a really good time. Um, played a slightly sanitized version of Cards Against Humanity because there was a 10-year-old in even the family edition. I'll tell you, yeah, there are things I prefer my 10-year-old daughter not necessarily know exist in the world just now. So we took some of those cards out. and We had fun nonetheless. She didn't win, but she had fun. So, about eggs. There are a handful of ways to cook them. And I know that old, I think it's an old saying, I'm not sure it is, that the, 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 traditionally the, the chef's toque is actually made of, of cloth, thick cloth, cotton, can, that's not canvas, but it's thick, uh, usually starts to, stands up in the hot heat and the steam of the kitchen, and that every fold on the toque represents a way that the chef should be expected to be able to cook an egg. Well, if you go through chapter five, and that's where we are on the eggs portion, there's poached eggs, there's sur le plat, uh, my obligatory, necessary apology to anybody listening in France who says, oh my God, your French is terrible. I know. I know it is. Uh, so I, my, I will myrtleize these French words, not intentionally, but that's what's going to happen. Us moule, 
Oof is the word for French, and if you were a tennis player anywhere in the world, you know oof also means love, zero. Um, I don't play tennis, but I know that part. Uh, so molded eggs, eggs in cocotte, or eggs in a porcelain dish, two separate things, procedures virtually identical. Fried eggs, we're going to talk a little bit about that, because that's interesting. Hard-boiled eggs, scrambled eggs, we're going to talk about that, because that's also uh, interesting. And then omelets. So to just get into this, so poached eggs, we're just going to go, oh, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm ahead of myself, sur la plat, on the plate. Um, so Scoffier writes in this chapter, a lot of the ways he's talking about cooking eggs are popular at the time, which was, of course, the time he's writing the book. Um, nowadays, we can probably think pretty quickly. We can go to our favorite breakfast joint and get uh, get them fried American style, and we'll talk about that distinction. Uh, or somebody call them sunny side up. You can get them uh, sunny side over, um, soft, medium, hard. You could get them poached. You could get them scrambled. And then that's probably it. Um, then different presentations, but if I, I think we really, if you found a place that did four different ways to cook eggs, that would be quite a find. I think you're pretty much stuck with three, but mostly you're going to get just the two. So sur la plat is a, it's going to be cooked on the plate, but we're not talking about a plate. We're talking about a dish. Um, if you have, um, a, a thick, uh, the, the brand Le Creuset, famous mostly for their enamel cookware, uh, and they're famous for the price of their enamel cookware. They have gotten into um, uh, dishes. So now they make a little salt well and they make little ramekins. The ramekin, the whole point of this is the thickness of the ramekin is maybe finally a quarter of an inch. So that's going to hold heat to help cook the egg and also going to be thick enough that it slowly allows the heat to transfer in, which will extend the cooking time. So eggs on the plate, you butter well the inside, and it doesn't matter if it's melted or whole butter, butter inside of your ramekin and put a an egg in there, then put that into a, another container, something that's going to hold boiling water. And then, so you fill it maybe to uh, fill the water halfway up the side of the ramekin, put that whole thing covered with a, just like the lid scants a little bit so some of the steam can come out. And then you are basically cooking that in an oven in a water bath for 15, 20 minutes, however long it takes, for that egg white to set and the egg yolk to be shiny and not done. Now, this is the first thing that will get some people's attention. For Escoffier, the egg white should be not completely set. It should be, <laughs> this, is, this is an unflattering explanation, description, but very apt. Should be a little snotty. And my mother loved her eggs a little snotty. And, I, and 
much to her. So she worked a midnight shift in, in, in a hospital for a couple of years. And one morning, they stopped at a at a breakfast place in in their town. After after work, they went and got eggs, and she sent them back. And her coworkers, to a person, were aghast. My God, you sent eggs back. Well, I'll accept the blame. My son said, if I don't want to eat it and I'm paying for it, I can get it how I want. So she sent them back and got what she wanted. She wasn't wrong. If you like your eggs cooked more well, cook them more well. There's no egg police. When it's done, when the egg is cooked to your liking, take the whole pan out and let it sit. Take the ramekin out of the water. Let it sit on a counter, on the stove, on a cooling rack for a couple of moments, a couple of minutes even, because there's a lot of heat still going to be there and it doesn't just go away. It's going to give the egg a moment to relax a little bit. And also that helps make getting it out a whole lot easier. Now, as with all of the other chapters, Escoffier has got 100 or more different um, explanations, descriptions, recipes for what to do with these eggs. And he indicates it's going to be a sort of plot dish, it's going to be a poached egg dish, it's going to be a scrambled egg dish. And then, like everything else, it's either in a container on something or next to something. Uh, so there's one where, <laughs> this is a lot of work, it's interesting. Um, I think it's parmentier, it's parmentier. You do a, bake a potato, hollow it out, cut the ends off, hollow it out, make mashed from the insides, leaving this case standing like a little barrel, replace half of the mashed inside the egg, put a raw egg inside of that, then put a little cream on that, then bake the whole thing till the egg is done. Sure, let's do a dozen of those for Sunday brunch. So put them in the puff pastry we've talked about. You can put them on toast points. You can bake a loaf of brioche and then cut little square cups that have been fried in butter like a big crouton to make... Um, something to hold your egg, something Escafé doesn't talk about, and if you're a fan of Moonstruck, they make is the toad in a hole. So a container, piece of bread, in a pan with the egg, and then if you're Italian, probably roasted red bell peppers. So I'm going to not go too much into all of the ways you can do this, because whatever you have hanging around, you could probably hollow out a meatball. It would probably be okay with a little quail egg. It would be cute. Um, so I really want to focus on the cooking methods. There are a few, if I get to them, I'm going to mention them because they sound interesting. But the fairly standard accompaniments that we have in our house, we don't have, I don't, I don't have truffles. Um, I usually have stock, so I can make a viand of some kind. I'm not going to do that. Um, but what I do have is I have chives, and I can get parsley, and I can I have scallions. So there are things that make perfect sense with eggs, and scallions and chives and tarragon are really fantastic accompaniments for certainly scrambled egg dishes, maybe even sprinkled on top of the Ouf sur le plat. Uh, lots of ways to do this. Lots of ways to garnish with the things that we have without getting extraordinarily fancy. 
So the next procedure is poached eggs. Now, poached eggs and soft-boiled eggs, the main difference is that one of them is without the shell and one of them is within the shell. That's the big deal. And then you could do the, you had that little cute little egg stand that looks like the bottom half of the magic trick. And you put your soft-boiled egg in there and little tap, 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 and you open the egg up and whatever. Um, I actually never cooked that and never ate that. I do, however, adore poached eggs. So the big trick, and it isn't really a trick, but it's a good technique, is so poaching, boiling is 212 unless you are four or five or six or 7,000 feet above sea level, then the temperature goes down. Um, and at about 5,000 feet, it starts going down uh, a couple of degrees for every 1,000 feet after that. So 208 or so is where water boils here. And so poaching and then simmering. So poaching is going to be, oh, 200-ish at sea level. Uh, and, then, um, and then simmering is about 180. So we're looking for... Looking for some convection. We want to see the water moving. We just don't want to see the water bubbling. That's boiling water is violence and it's going to destroy your eggs. It'll make good egg drop soup, but that's not what we're going for. The other thing that eggs need in the water is salt. And a decent amount of salt, because that's the only way we can season them, is when they we can season it on top, I suppose, but it's going to wash off. So season the water with salt, not pepper. And here's the thing. Because egg white is protein, and we know that protein responds in a very particular way to acid, vinegar, red wine, it looks interesting, but it tastes and it's <laughs> good for Valentine's Day. The vinegar in the water is going to help keep that egg white together. Now, there is a point where more vinegar won't make the egg white coagulate together anymore, but it will start to taste like vinegar, and that's an undesirable point. Uh, the Scoffier offers that for every uh, four and a half cups of water, we're adding one ounce of vinegar. So think for every quart of water, you have a tablespoon of vinegar. Two tablespoons of vinegar, my apologies. Two tablespoons of vinegar to every quart of water, and then you're looking for that convection. My other suggestion from having done this, we did a Sunday brunch at the Ritz-Carlton Naples included the whole, the whole kitchen got in on it. The bake shop got in with a massive pastry display and baked goods display, and the garmage shop got in on it with just fruit platters galore and charcuterie platters and the 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 main dining room that's what it's called the did the hot line service it was four options four hot dishes you could choose from one of them was always eggs benedict and the three other ones whatever we came up with so we would poach well 100, 120 eggs every brunch, just to make sure we had enough. This is not a thing you want to be doing in the middle of service. So here, and Scoffier will mention this, if you're doing this, if you're doing a Sunday brunch at home for a whole lot of people, one of the ways you can pull this off is poach your eggs. You could do it the day before. Poach them, 
then put them in an ice bath to stop the cooking, then on the day of service, put them all on an ice sheet pan covered in a slow oven, 200 degrees, 225, and, as, and you can even put them on their little piece of um, Canadian bacon, so they're easier to get off the pan, and then put them on your uh, uh, English muffin, and dress with your holidays, have to make holidays first thing in the morning, can't cheat on that, but that's a way to get ahead. Now, how you tell that this thing is done is a bit of a trick because you can't poke at it because then you might break the yolk and then then the whole thing is lost so what will happen as the as the egg is in this water oh and if you i i really seriously highly recommend breaking the egg into a small bowl then using the bowl to put the egg into the water and the two key reasons for this in case the egg breaks you're not going to pour that egg yolk broken into your water and mess up your water but eggshell if you see an eggshell go into the water you're not going to go after it because it's going to be hot and it'll stop real fast so in the bowl if you have an eggshell you can pull it out in the comfort of room temperature and avoid all kinds of problems of burning you and someone going crunch 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 where they don't want to go crunch 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 as you're lifting it now, the, it might want to stick a little bit. So let the egg sit in the water. Patience is a learned skill. Maybe 30 seconds. And it's going to sort of kind of release itself. Uh, use a slotted spoon. If you have the thing called the Peltex, which is that little, they call it a fish spatula, uh, something to just check to see if it's going to release, and it should release. When you lift the egg out of the water in your slotted spoon, it's going to be, it may have some little dangly bits, that's fine, whatever. But the whole thing, if you lift it up and see that the egg white still looks very undone, well, then it is. So put that back in the water. I don't know how long it's going to take. It depends on how hot your water actually is. It depends how many eggs are in the water at the given time. It depends how cold the eggs were when they went into the water. Too many variables, but you'll see. And at, you, you can kind of carefully tap the top, touch the top, don't, and um, at some point, you'll you'll get a handle for it, and if you start to see that the egg yolk is getting more round and protruding up, that means it's starting to get overcooked, and so you want to take that egg out. There are, so I mentioned eggs benedict. One of the things that is missing from Escoffier is eggs benedict, and the principal reason for that is it's not a French dish. It has at least two origins, either New York City or... I just looked at this. Anyway, um, there are two American versions of this, and they're um, because someone ran out, wanted a different preference, Miss Benedict. I forgot what that was. It may, I don't know. <clears throat> Not that important. The other version of Eggs Benedict, also a change, is Eggs Sardou, invented at Antoine's in New Orleans, and that instead of a English muffin and Canadian bacon is an entire whole artichoke bottom. And then that artichoke bottom holds the egg and then it gets hollandaise. And depending on what story you read, it does or does not get truffles. It does or it does not get chives. Um, we at the Ritz would put that on a bed of cream spinach 
partly because it tasted good with it. Also, in the chafing dish, it held the artichoke base, which otherwise would be kind of roly-poly, and then that's not any good. So, egg sardou and uh, egg benedict, not classical French, but looks like it. Uh, oof moule, I think. Molded eggs. I've never seen it. I know what it means, so you... We're not even going to talk about that. You want to go look at it? Uh, procedure 1292 in Escoffier. Uh, eggs and cocotte. This is... So we had... We, we could use that same ramekin that we used for uh, sur le plat. You conceivably could do two per plate, and that would be in a larger oval kind of a thick crockery, crockery is the wrong word, but a thick kind of dish. Again, well buttered, put the eggs inside uh, in a water bath pan with a lid just a little off to the side so the steam comes up. And looking for that slightly not fully cooked egg white and very shimmery egg yolk. So, there is another thing missing from the scoffy, and I don't know where this came from. I tried to find the origin. I'm there somewhere in the world. <clears throat> it's a thing called sheared eggs. Now, I'm I don't know this. My my brother is is sort of a family lore that he could never find anybody who would cook sheared eggs the right way. Now. There's at least two different ways to do it, so I'm not sure what the right way is. Uh, we're going to take our ramekin again. Now, it's going to be an egg, heavy cream, butter, salt and pepper, of course, chives, probably, truffles if you got them. Um, the first discussion point for the faithful is cream first, then egg, or egg first, then cream. I don't know. I don't have an opinion on this. I think I would prefer cream second so that it helps sort of even the cooking on the top of the egg. But that's just me. Plus, it would also be fun to mix it in when I dig into the thing. Um, <laughs> if I had truffles, you bet I'd be using them, but I don't. So uh, chives for me, salt and pepper, maybe a little paprika for color. That might be blasphemous. So same idea. You're cooking it in a water bath in the oven, little scans. Um, they take time. Oven baked eggs take time. Poached eggs take time. If you have the time, now the nice thing about sheared eggs is it stays in the container. So that gives you a little bit of a leeway there. Um, I may have to try that just now that I thought about it. Um, moving on to fried eggs, because this is really kind of a big deal. So what Escoffier calls fried eggs is actually, literally, fried in fat. Now you're thinking, hang on a minute, I've seen deep fryers before. This isn't going to work. And in that observation, you are completely correct. So we're going to take a small pan, put some oil into it. Now, what kind of oil there, Smarty Pants? Well, better to say what kind of oil we will not be using. We will not be using corn, canola, soy, sunflower, safflower, anything from a seed? No. Anything from a grain? No. 
from a fruit? Yes. Olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, is going to make them taste. I like it. It is a particular flavor that not everyone will cotton to. Uh, avocado oil will work. Um, what else will work is clarified butter. Ghee is a spectacular choice because eggs and butters, it's like, uh, oh, I can't. <laughs> I'm going for rat pack and I can't do it. Um, Bacon fat, lard, beef fat, tallow, um, any of any pure rendered fat that doesn't have any extra water. We don't want water in it because that's going to cause a problem when the oil gets hot. Get that small pan. Now, small pan is important because we're only going to do one egg at a time. And the bigger the pan, the more oil you need. So a small pan on the stove. Get that oil moving. We're looking just barely to the smoke point. So if you're using olive oil, that's going to be a lower smoke point. If you're using a, an animal fat, you're going to get a higher smoke point to that, which helps us in the sense that it's going to cook the outside faster. Now, what's really important is using a wooden spoon here. Now, make sure you didn't just clean this wooden spoon. It needs to be dry, dry, dry. Washed yesterday, because the it's going the egg when it's cooking that protein is going to want to stick to stuff that you introduce into the pan. It's going to want to stick to cold stuff. The outside of the pan isn't cold, so it's fine. If you use a wooden spoon, that hot egg is going to stick to the cold metal, and you can't put your fingers in there to get it off. And you can't put another one in there, another spoon to get it off. It's just, it's like one of those cartoon things with a brer bear in the tar. So wooden spoons. Uh, also, what works really well is cake dowels. They look like chopsticks without tapered ends. That works fine. If you have bamboo skewers, that's fine. And we're going, it's, it's, what's going to happen, you've got a, a bowl again, like for the poached eggs, very carefully. Tip the egg in there. We don't want splashing oil going on, on us. And it's going to completely encase itself. That would make sense. And as it's cooking, you want to sort of gently guide it, turning it around, turning it around. What we're looking to have happen is for it to get good and brown. Now, it's going to end up looking a little bit like hazelnut brown. You're going to say, oh my gosh, this is burning. It's getting well brown, but it's not burning. How so this is this is a bigger trick. Not a trick, trick's the wrong word. This is a bigger test of doneness determination than it is for the poached egg. Because there's really nothing to look at. The whole outside is well brown. So you kind of have to just give it give it a couple minutes. Give it two or three minutes. If you don't like super runny egg yolks, then give it three to four minutes. Uh, that's a proper fried egg. Now you can lift it out with your wooden spoon, maybe two wooden spoons. Um, and then, you know, it's possible if you take a metal spoon, not the one from the poached eggs, because that's still wet, and put that into the fat for a couple of seconds to get hot. Then you can lift the egg out and just set it onto a pile of paper towels to let some of the fat drip off and then put it onto your English muffin with Canadian bacon or whatever it is you want to do with it on your brioche, a little canoe toast point, however you're going to serve it. 
You could do a sauce soubise. That's that's that thinly sliced onions all cooked down with no color, very sweet onion flavor. You could go wild bananas and make a sauce nantois, which is a shrimp, yeah, a crayfish actually, crayfish sauce, and you can knock yourself out. I don't recommend knocking yourself out, but you could do a lot. That's a fried egg. Now, he is going to make a distinction here, and then we'll talk about this. Uh, in the long list of ways of preparing eggs, that for fried eggs is relatively insignificant when compared with others. Although fried eggs are used to a great extent for breakfast in England and America, correctly speaking, they are us à la poêle, or pan-cooked eggs. In both countries, the true fried eggs is virtually unknown. In general, the garnish suitable fried egg, four or five eggs are several served. Uh, that's butchered. In general, the garnishes suitable for fried eggs are served separately. The eggs are arranged on serviettes or on toasts with fried parsley. And then there we go. Then the method of preparation is explaining what I just explained to you. Uh, Hard-boiled eggs. Now this is a thing that, and any food blog, any food website, well, nearly anyone, because I don't have one, uh, you can find someone has a version of how to properly, properly, properly is defined by how easily the egg comes out of the shell, how easily the shell comes off of the egg. And Scafia has his own way, which is different from what I teach my kids, what I taught my cooks, which was to start the eggs. This is Danny's procedure. Start the eggs in well-salted cold water. Put that on the burner on high. Bring the whole thing to a boil. Turn off the heat. Cover it. Take it off the heat if it's an electric burner. And let it sit for, depending if you're at sea level or way up here or higher, 16 to 18 minutes. Now, we started initially with doing 20 minutes, but we always got that little sulfur green on the outside. So uh, here, 4,500 feet, uh, we do them 16 minutes, sitting on the stove, covered, no added heat, just let the heat sit and cook the egg, then drain the hot water out, add ice to the pan, and a slow trickle of cold, well, fill it with cold water, then a slow trickle of cold water, to keep a convection of water going, so it's taking the hot water away, getting that old, getting that egg cold as quickly as we can. Now, it might actually take four or five clock minutes to, when you pick that egg up out of the ice water, holding your hand for a moment and see, you know, wait 20 or 30 seconds, see if you feel some heat slowly radiating out of the inside of the egg. And if you do, it's not fully cooled yet. It's not done cooling down, so there's still some cooking going on. So put it back in the ice water, let it get cold, cold, cold. Now, Scoffier will say to facilitate even cooking, he's going to tell you start in boiling water. Well, if you're cooking more than one hard-boiled egg, if you're cooking a dozen hard-boiled eggs, the last egg in isn't the same as the first egg in. There's a span of however many seconds it takes you to get 12 eggs in carefully without burning yourself. And how do you know which one went in first? 
So his recommendation is use a pan that has a basket or something that will fit inside of it. Put the eggs in the basket, not with your wire, and drop, drop, place that into the boiling water so that all the eggs are introduced into the boiling water at the same time. Cook them in the boiling water for eight minutes for medium eggs, 10 minutes for large eggs. Take them out, then shock them in an ice bath and let them get cold in the ice bath. I've never done it that way. I was never taught that way. I never bothered trying it because what I did worked. So <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's, it might be worth trying just to see how it happens. He recommends in all egg cookery, and I agree with him, except in the point of hard-boiled eggs. Fresh eggs are best, but what seems to be the case, and this is one of those very weird things when everyone has an opinion, and I can't be certain everybody's not wrong or right, old eggs seem to peel better. Like sometimes in this Boy, it's really satisfying. When you get like the whole thing just sort of peels off and it spirals, wow, it's amazing. With no pulls, no tears, no fussy bits, it's just like that's really incredible. I think that a liberal application of salt in the water helps create that little moisture barrier that lets the egg peel easily. I think getting them shocked quickly and as quickly as possible to get from hot to cold helps create that moisture barrier that makes them peel easily. Uh, I don't believe that, and I've never done this because it didn't, and again, it wasn't what I was taught to do. I never put vinegar in the water. And based on what I think I know about acid and protein, none of that makes sense to me. It seems like it should make the egg stick. And I've read some people on Facebook posts who say the vinegar didn't help. I've heard people say, oh, man, vinegar was a dream. I don't know. If it's worth the risk to not get fully peeled hard-boiled eggs, give it a shot. Not my recommendation, but I don't have anything to back up my opposition to it. So the other thing that's missing, sort of, in Escoffier is what we call deviled eggs. Now, he does have some versions where... This is hard for me to even visualize. Cut off the top and the bottom of the egg so that it stands tall. And then with what I can only imagine he's describing is a mini size, mini as in smaller than an apple corer. Now everybody probably knows what that tool looks like. So think of one instead of being, what, maybe five eighths of an inch, maybe it's a quarter of an inch. And then hollow out with that little mini coring tool, this egg, and then fill that hole with caviar. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so he does stuffed eggs. I didn't, unless he calls it something else. And there is a thing called Eggs Diablo, but it isn't. Uh, it's eggs cooked in brown butter. It's not spicy at all, where you think it would be. It's not deviled eggs like we're talking about. So he probably would have said, wow, that's a really good idea. He may have objected to the relish and preferred something else, but he probably would have approved of that whole idea. The other one I'm going to get to is scrambled eggs. Now, 
everybody has had scrambled eggs and every kid has scrambled eggs and that's kind of what we grew up on. And if you're from Detroit, you had ketchup on eggs when you were five. Yep, did that. Don't recommend it, but did it. So let me read three paragraphs here of what he writes for scrambled eggs. This method of preparing eggs is undoubtedly the best, always bearing in mind that they should not be overcooked, but be kept soft and creamy. They are usually served in a small, deep silver dish, but according to the recipe, are also presented in small crustade cases made of hollowed out brioche or tartlet cases. Formerly, it was the custom to surround the dish of scrambled eggs with small croutons of various shapes or small pieces of cooked, pale, baked puff pastry in the form of crescents, diamonds, rounds, or palm leaves, etc. This way has much to recommend it and can always be followed. In the old classical kitchen, scrambled eggs were always cooked au bain-marie, as this guaranteed that they were cooked perfectly, but this was a time-consuming operation. They may be cooked more quickly by using direct but gentle heat as a gradual cooking process is essential for obtaining the desired soft, smooth texture. So that's the introduction part. He is, so how... I'm sure every single one of us makes scrambled eggs. We get the pan medium hot, put the butter melt and sizzle a bit, put the eggs in, it goes, and then we push them around, we get big lumps. <laughs> we have all failed our master chef test. Method of procedure. Gently heat two ounces of butter in a heavy, small pan. Add six beaten eggs, seasoned with salt and pepper. Place over a moderate heat. Stir constantly with a wooden spoon, taking care that the heat remains even. Too quick cooking will cause lumps to form, which is contrary to the description of the term scrambled. When the eggs have attained the correct smooth, creamy consistency, remove from the fire, mix in two ounces of butter, cut into small pieces, and if required, a quarter of a cup of heavy cream. A whisk should not be used unless absolutely necessary. So none of us do that. I'm sure I don't do that. I don't, four ounces of butter for six eggs? <laughs> Sounds divine. I may have to start doing that. So that's how he scrambles his eggs. It's the, I think the main takeaway from that is that now, if you are the person who likes, I, I, I knew a person once, still know the person, who offered to cook scrambled eggs for me for breakfast. I said, sure. This is a problem of me expecting what I would create and she cre creating what she would eat. So she mixed up a couple of eggs, put them in the pan, scrambled them around, flipped them, got them all nice and brown, flipped them again, got them all nice and brown, and put them on the pan. And they were horrid. Any trace of moisture or creaminess or smoothness to that scrambled eggs long vanished. It was 
It was a generous thing to do. <laughs> Never asked again. So if you are a person who likes your eggs cooked a little bit more than that, then cook them a little bit more. But from a from, from his standard, he's looking for very smooth, very creamy, not lumpy things. That's that is that is a fail. So flipping some pages here. Um what stood out. I mentioned a couple of the things that were interesting. Um I want to get to omelets. Omelets. All right. <clears throat> when I was teaching culinary school, my version of what an omelet should be, and the dean of the school, his version of what an omelet should be, could not be more different. It wasn't possible. I was taught by the first certified master chef, how he wanted omelets made, and there were omelets on the lunch menu, three or four different kinds. And and every day we sold at least three or four omelets. Some days more, maybe one day only one or two. And so this was a very busy restaurant for lunch, and it had to be fast, fast, fast. And so the procedure for these omelets all, so all the eggs were already cracked. We had we had them in a pan, a six ounce ladle in there, and the garnish for the omelets. Let's I know I, I think when it was called paisan, I can't remember. I'm sure it was potatoes and 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 bacon. Uh, quite possibly there would, would have been mushrooms in there and probably herbs to garnish. So let's go with that. So the potatoes are already cooked. Diced, they may have been diamonds, who knows? They don't really hold their shape when they're cooked. Uh, already cooked mushrooms, already cooked bacon. Uh, we had, um, they, now Cuisinart didn't make pans back when I was cooking at this restaurant, but if you've seen the Cuisinart pan or if you've seen the Calphalon pans, they have a pretty good heft to them. Well, this was an aluminum pan lined with stainless steel that we had. Uh, we cured them. We seasoned them to be only omelet pans. And they, man, they were really nice. So how we did them for fast, fast service was use clarified butter, get it very hot. We want that oil smoking. Add the garnish ingredients into the pan first and let them sit there for 10 or 15 seconds. As, as they sit in that hot fat on the hot seasoned pan, they will release themselves and not leave any of the bits behind that will cause burning and sticking. So once that garnish is hot and not sticking to the bottom of the pan, one eight ounce, no, sorry, a six ounce ladle of eggs goes in the pan. Now here's the thing. From the moment the eggs hit the pan, wooden spoon in hand, yes, wooden spoon, because we don't, we don't want scratch the pan, that would be bad. We don't want it sticking to the spoon, that would be bad. In this is it's hard to describe and it's it's furious. So I'm right-handed. So in my left hand, I would take the pan and on it makes a lot of noise because it was a gas burner. So metal on metal is making lots of clang. 
turn this pan rapidly, urgently, and also with the right hand and the wooden spoon spinning the eggs in a whirlpool ma uh, motion so that all of the garnish is getting inside of all the eggs and is creating a nice cooked surface and the heat transfer is starting to make the eggs on top of the crust start to coagulate to get like those scrambled eggs, soft and creamy. The time it takes to do this, eggs in the pan to the omelet on the plate, is 30 seconds. Not kidding. That might be too much. And and we just knew. 30 seconds, we'll watch, we'll watch, we'll watch, we'll watch. So garnish, hot, hot pan, garnish in, don't burn yourself, eggs in, spin and stir. And then, as it's done, tip pan forward a little bit. We want the egg to slide down. And then with the wooden spoon, fold the edge of this. Right now, it looks like this sort of egg pancake with gooey stuff on top. Fold the end toward the handle down, then fold the end down up so it creates what is the classic French omelet shape, which is, well, kind of like a fat cigar um, where there's tapers on the ends. And then we'd put the garnish on there, whatever the veg was, and then the plate's done. So nicely browned, not black, a nice... Um, Pecans are too dark, hazelnuts are too dark, peanuts are a little bit too light, somewhere in the middle there, maybe like walnuts are too dark, but just a nice, very pleasing brown color. Well, the dean, he did something else completely different. He, he swirled them around and got them all fluffy and then flipped it, like, what the heck is this? Flipped it and then got that all brown, then flipped it again, put the filling in and folded it up and the egg would kind of crash, like, ugh. Anyway, uh, that's how he was taught. So we taught our students both ways. This is this, is, and there are thousands of other ways. There, and anyway, there's a lot of ways to make an omelet. Uh, lots of places to do them on griddles, and that's not an omelet. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, it's eggs folded around stuff. So, Scoffier explains that I have an underlying portion here. What is required is homogeneity of the egg and the softness of the whole. The whole thing is designed to be a soft thing to eat. Uh, in a few words, what is an omelet? It is really a special type of scrambled egg enclosed in a coating or envelope of coagulated coagulated egg and nothing else. I mean, sure, whatever, easy to say. Preparation of omelet. Heat the butter in an omelet pan until it just begins to turn brown. This will not only give an excellent flavor to the omelet, but will also provide the required amount of heat necessary to ensure the correct setting of the egg. Pour in the eggs, which have been well beaten until the yellow and whites are thoroughly blended and seasoned. Shake the pan and stir briskly with a fork at the same time so as to ensure even cooking. If the omelet is to be stuffed inside with a garnish, this should be placed in the center, of, in the center at the time, and the omelet should be quickly folded, rolled into shape, and turned over onto a suitable dish. 
then finished according to the requirement of its recipe. When the omelet is on the dish, it is good practice to draw a piece of drawn butter over it to make its surface glossy. We didn't do that. And except for the fork part, and he does use wooden spoons for the fried eggs, and he does know what they are, so um, fork would work. There's wooden spoons what we had. Uh, spatulas at the time, the heat-proof spatula thing was a was an oddity. It was rare, so it was expensive, and just for the amount that we would have gone through accidentally setting them on fire, wooden spoons were better. So... Now, if you're going to do an omelet the way he writes it, he doesn't say so, but the omelet filling should be hot. So in a separate pan, you're going to heat up your mushrooms, potatoes, and onions, and scallions. Um, you could put chicken livers inside of an omelet. You could put artichokes. You could at all. You know, you could put avocados inside of an omelet. That would be, oh, man, that would be good. Ooh, buddy. Um, so as long as the avocados I would leave cold and they would catch the heat from around them and that would be enough. But anything that's going to go inside hot should go inside hot so that you're not taking heat away from the egg. Uh, and then the whole tasting, eating procedure and experience is a good one. So then there's, you know, there's, there's one, there's two, four, five. There's five and a half pages of omelet recipes. Um, stuff the omelet with one tablespoon of asparagus tips mixed with, mixed with a little cream sauce. Um, we At the Ritz-Carlton Naples, the same place where we did the poached eggs, and then cooled them and we kept them hot. It was, it was an operation. It, it was efficient. Uh, we did a, an omelet with apple beignets. So that was, it was that, technically they were fritters, they weren't beignets. Um, granny apple rounds with, <laughs> it's funny if you mentioned the apple core, right? you cut, cut the apple core out, uh, cut the skin off so that each piece is the same size. Then they got um, placed in a, in a batter, like you would, you know, any, any kind of a batter and then deep fried. And then asparagus was the garnish for that. And then I, I know the, um, I think it was a, uh, uh, somehow it feels like a crab and cream sauce omelet. So that would have been a filling that would have been hot, added inside, not something in the pan. Those were kind of a pain in the butt. I don't, I don't think they were as nice as the omelets at the other place. I like them better. I like, I like that brown on the outside. I like the flavor that it gives. Uh, we use clarified butter, but whole butter makes sense. But it just, it just tastes better to me. Now, Escoffier has a little portion here about a plover egg. I don't even know what a plover is. It's a little bird, looks like a quail. Um, quail's eggs, you might see them on Iron Chef. You might see them somewhere in Food Network. And either they will be hard-boiled and then probably deviled because they're cute, uh, or they'll be, and Gordon does a lot of this, um, fried sunny side up. And I, I think for every one egg he ends up serving, he probably goes through a dozen quail egg, and there's a lot of waste on that show. But they're cute. They Quail eggs taste pretty much like eggs. They have in, almost imperceptibly gamier taste than chicken eggs. But that depends on where you're getting your chicken eggs. If you're getting them from the store, 
then you're getting the same commercial eggs most other people are getting. If you're getting your chicken eggs from the guy in the other street, that could be a different ballgame. One, they're going to be fresher, so they're going to taste better. They're not commercial. You don't know how, I have no idea how long commercial eggs have been in the carton, sitting in some warehouse, waiting to get into your hands at the store. When you go get them from the guy in the other street, probably this morning, maybe yesterday, those eggs were, were, ha were laid and that's a fresh egg. Makes a big, big difference. And plus the feed. I have no idea what commercial chickens eat. The guy across the street, you can at least have find out, hey, what do you feed your chickens? And since we're talking about egg cookery and fresh egg cookery, egg cookery, if you're using clarified butter for your cocote or for your scrambled egg, well, whole butter for scrambled eggs, or clarified butter for your omelets, or tallow or large or duck fat or schmaltz, egg cookery is a great place to utilize excellent fat. So I'm going to put a link to my affiliate, um, Fatworks, and it'll say, get fat. <laughs> it's, it's my it's one of my tweets. Get fat. Get real fat. I stole the words from them, but it's funny. Um, real fat makes a big difference, not only for your health, but for your cooking quality as well. And if you're going to be making eggs, get some lard and make proper biscuits. Man, that would be a nice sandwich, huh? Biscuits and a fried egg. I mean, an American fried egg. But you know what? French fried egg would be good in there too. It'd be a mess, but boy, it would be good. All right. I think that's going to do it. This actually went longer than I thought it was going to, but I think there's a decent introduction to egg cookery and the things that can be done. And as long as... So if you want your eggs overcooked, if you want your fried... If you want your American fried egg yolk broken and then the egg... And then the whole thing, sunny side over, cooked well done, then go ahead and do that. It's not my preference. I, I like I like snotty eggs. And, but have them how you want. But there are things to do, ways to garnish. Chive, tarragon, parsley, scallions. Grow your own scallions in the spring. Easy to do. Um, and then you can kind of go nuts. And Denny's and a bunch of diner restaurants have made made fortunes on giving you ideas about what you can do. Take up baking. Make some brioche. Make some milk bread just to make the toast, just to have eggs on toast. Make the bread just to have the bread to make toad in a hole. Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> it made you hungry. All right. That's going to do it. I did say I'm going to leave a link for fat on the show notes page, and I will do that. That's uh, The show notes page is culinarylibertarian.com slash 218. I'll also leave a link for the blog page, Cooking with cooking with uh, cooking for comfort, my own book. I can't remember the name. And the, that will be uh, pictures submitted by some cooks of dishes they've made uh, and also an Amazon link to buy the book. And then that's mostly it. Uh, there isn't going to be a text version of this episode because I kind of went along through the book and mostly just sort of remembrances. But when we get into fish, which is the next chapter, 
that's going to require some some notes so I will put that up when we get to that part um, so we got four weeks or so before Christmas and I guess I should plan a really good Christmas episode. Anyway, um, I'm just thinking out loud there. Please share this episode on your social media feeds. And uh, anybody who's going to be cooking breakfast for you, let them listen to it as well. And I want to thank you for coming back after Thanksgiving and listening. I appreciate you being here. Thanks also to my Patreon supporters. And this will be on the Patreon since there's no chef table. Um, you know what I might do? I think I'll do. I, I think I will. I have to. I'm gonna do. I still owe you the uh, pot of shoe, but for the chef's table, I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm gonna do a fried egg. I'm gonna make fried eggs and show you how that looks, and then maybe we'll also do an omelet. All right, that's it. I'm out of here. Thank you very much. Have a good week, and I'll see you soon. Music for the Culinary Libertarian Podcast is provided by Matthew Bankert at mattbankert.com.